Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. What a blessing it is that we may be here again to join together in worship. And a hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust towards our our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Next week, Sunday, the Lord willing, we will celebrate the Lord's Supper in the morning service. And tomorrow evening, the Lord willing, consistory will meet as elders only at 8pm in the consistory room. And this afternoon, the worship service will be led by Brother Plater. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together from hymn 34, verses 1 and 2. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Let us rise and let's worship God. As we come to praise our God, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. And God greets you this, mor- this afternoon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us continue our worship and let's praise God for his steadfast love with the words of Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3.
Psalm 34, verse 3, the psalmist says, O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. O congregation, let us exalt the name of the Lord together by confessing our faith in the Catholic and undoubted Christian faith with the words of him too.
that God may be praised by our worship, let us come before him in prayer and ask for his blessing. Let's pray. Dear Lord in heaven, we thank you that we can come before you on the basis of a blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ, which we are sprinkled with, which means that we have access to your very throne room. And Father, this is not something that you didn't purchase us with, something that was imperishable like silver or gold, but rather it was with the precious blood like of a lamb without blemish or spot, the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, who when John the Baptist saw, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes the sins of all the world away. And Father, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? And yet it's true. Father, we thank you that you've sent your son because of your relationship that you've established with us. Because of your covenant. You would not let your people wallow in sin, but rather you sent your son to die for us. And Father, we praise you that we are washed by his blood. We're not washed with the blood of an animal that is put on the doorpost, said the angel of death may pass over, but rather we're, we're washed with the very blood of Jesus Christ. So that the judgment that would naturally hang on us would pass over. And we thank you that now we can come into your presence with no condemnation because of Jesus Christ. Rather we come in as your children. And Lord we we praise you and we adore you for that. For Lord you give healing that our hearts hunger for. Lord you are worthy of all blessing, honor, glory forever and ever. And so we pray that as we worship you this afternoon, that you would give us a zeal for your holy name, that you would fill us with an awe for your majesty. Lord, you know how easy it is to go through the motions when we worship you, but Lord, you are worthy of more than that. You know how often we can sing praises, we can sing the hymns or the psalms, and our minds can drift off and we can be busy thinking about other things. But Lord, you are worthy of more than that. Lord, you know too that as your word is proclaimed, it's easy to trail off. Lord, especially on a hot day like this, we pray that you would be with us because you are worthy of more. And so we ask that you would bless us that we may praise your holy name. And Lord, we pray that you would speak powerfully through your word. We pray that your spirit would dwell in our midst, that we may be built up in the faith. And Lord, grant that having heard your word, that we may follow the Lamb wherever he goes. We pray all this for Jesus' sake. Amen. So this afternoon, it's my intention to bring God's word to you as it's summarized in the catechism in the first petition, Hallowed Be Your Name. And so in preparation for that, we'll read from two passages of the Old Testament. Firstly, from from the prophet of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, and we'll read the verses 12 through, through 26. And in chapter 9, Jeremiah grieves for the people of God because of their, their wickedness and because of their sin. And as you read through it, as, as you'll see, we see that it's actually a funeral song. It's a dirge, really. It's where God mourns for the wickedness of his people. 
So verse 12, Jeremiah 9 verse 12, hear the word of the Lord. Who is the man so wise that he can understand this? To whom has the mouth of the Lord spoken that he may declare it? Why is the land ruined and laid waste like a wilderness so that no one passes through? And the Lord says, because they have forsaken my law that I set before them and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it but have stubbornly followed their own hearts and have gone after the Baals as their fathers taught them. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations whom neither they nor their fathers have known, and I will send the sword after them until I've consumed them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider and call for the mourning women to come. Send for the skillful women to come. Let them make haste and raise a wailing over us, that our eyes may run down with tears and our eyelids flow with water. For a sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How we are ruined. We are utterly shamed because we have left the land, because they have cast down our dwellings. Hear, O women, the word of the Lord, and let your ear receive the word of his mouth. Teach to your daughters a lament and each to her neighbor a dirge. For death has come up into your windows. It has entered our palaces, cutting off the children from the streets and the young men from the squares. Speak, thus declares the Lord, the dead bodies of men shall fall like dung upon the open field, like sheaves after the reaper, and none shall gather them. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert, who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. And then the second passage we'll turn to is Ezekiel chapter 36. This is a prophecy just before that well-known vision of the, the Valley of Dry Bones. And here, after also prophecies of judgment, God comes to his people with a promise. And so let's read together the verses 22 to 32. So Ezekiel 36, verse 22 through to verse 32. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among all the nations. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes." I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you clean with water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. You will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Let us sing in response to the reading of God's word, Psalm 115, where we glory in the Lord and in nothing else. Psalm 115, verses 1, 7, and 8.
confessional reading for this afternoon service is Lord's Day 47, where it is asked and, and answered, what is the first petition? Hallowed be your name. That is, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. After the proclamation of the gospel, we'll sing from hymn 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, maybe some, of, maybe some of you have heard of the acronym ACTS for prayer. So the acronym is A-C-T-S, so adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And it's to help us to pray to God rightly. And so you begin your prayer by adoring God and praising God. And so that's adoration. And then you continue to confession, where you ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then from there, you, you thank God for his goodness, and you let your heart spring forth with gratitude to him. And so that's thanksgiving. And then finally, you move on in your prayer, and you ask God for your different requests, which is supplication. And it's a helpful acronym to, for us as we, as we pray to God, and one of the things that it does, it, it focuses our attention on God and on his glory right from the very beginning. And many of us know that. Many of us know that And when we come before God in prayer, our focus should be on adoring him and on glorifying him. And yet that doesn't make it easy, does it? Beginning our prayer with praise can often be the hardest part of our prayer. It's very easy to go into prayer and bring before all our needs and our requests to God, but it's hard to begin our prayer and, and just adore God for who he is. Often, maybe you're like me, you begin with praise not because your heart is bursting forth with praise, but because you know that a good prayer begins with praise and adoration. That's what a good prayer looks like. And so you begin, Father in heaven, we, we praise you for your creation. Or maybe we praise you and glorify you for your salvation. And then often it feels very foreign, it feels strange, even maybe contrived. It feels like we're doing exactly what Jesus said, uh, told us not to do when he said, you know, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases, thinking that you'll be heard because of your many words. You see, quite frankly, it's, it's difficult to praise God, isn't it? And yet our Savior, he knows that about us. He knows that for sinners it's difficult to glorify God and to praise the God they love. He knows that sinners are, are not naturally God-glorifiers, but rather God-haters, and so he gives us this petition, hallowed be your name. And notice, notice how it's not a command, hallow God's name, but it's a prayer, hallowed 
be your name. When we pray this petition, we're asking God to to help us see his glory. We're asking God to glorify his name, that his glory would be revealed as it ought. We're asking that it would be evident to all. It's a prayer that we may live our lives in such a way that we would direct our lives, as the Catechism says, so that his glory would advance, that his glory would be promoted throughout the world. We're saying, O Lord, may your name be glorified in all the earth. And so that's the theme for which we are going to look at our Lord's teaching with this petition, O Lord, may your name be glorified in all the earth. And if you look at the, the catechism, it's separated into two parts. The first focuses on us glorifying God. And so the first point we'll look at, may we glorify you. And secondly, we'll look at, may we cause others to glorify you, which follows the catechism's focus on our actions. So firstly then, may we glorify you. Now before we start talking about hallowing God's name, we should probably define what we mean by hallow. Hallowed is not really a, name, a, a, a word that we use often. It's fallen out of common usage. And the word means to make holy or to set apart as holy, to revere. And so then maybe you hear that and you think, okay, so when we hallow God's name, does that mean we're adding to his glory? We're making him glorious or more holy than he is? Well, to answer that question, Scripture responds with a resounding no. You see, our God, there's no deficiency in his being. He, he lacks nothing. It's not as though his, his glory is only so full and then we have to add to his glory. No, God is glorious. He is holy. We are not adding to that. You know, God says to his people in Psalm 50, verse 12, he says, I don't need you. If I were hungry, I wouldn't ask you. I mean, I own all the cattle on a thousand hills. All of, all of that is mine. The Lord doesn't need us to be more glorious than he already is. His glory is not dependent on us. He's not lacking. So then what does it mean to hallow God's name? Well, if you look at hallowed be your name, we're asking God to glorify and magnify something. We're asking God to glorify and magnify his name, which if you recall from our treatment of the third commandment, God's name stands for his character. So essentially, we're asking God to glorify himself. The Geneva Catechism, which Calvin wrote, he explains it this way in question and answer 267. So you ask that very question, do you think God's glory can increase or decrease? And then he responds, not in itself, but this means that it may be manifested as it ought to be, that all the works which God performs may appear glorious as indeed they are. So if you think about this morning, essentially what we're praying is the prayer of Moses. It's the request of Moses, Lord, show us your glory. You are glorious. You are holy. Please reveal it to us so that we may see it for what it truly is. Help us to see your holiness that it will become all the more clear. And so that's what we're asking God in this petition. That's what it means, hallowed be your name. And so how does that happen? How do we see the glory of God? How does his glory become clearer to us? 
Well, notice the catechism can, uh, begins and it says, Grant us, first of all, that we may rightly know you. It begins with knowledge. When you pray, hallowed be your name, you're asking God to increase your knowledge of who he is. You're asking God that you may grow in your knowledge of him. And that's important for us to highlight. I think back to one of the classes at seminary, we would do what was called a thesis defense. And essentially what we'd do, we'd take a a teaching from scripture and then you would argue a certain point. So say, for example, we could use God doesn't need to be glorified as, a, as our thesis. And then we argue that, and then the class responds and asks various questions. And then part of the assignment, what we had to do was answer the question, so what? What was the practical application of that? And sometimes the application would simply be to help us understand God better, to help us rightly know God. Now, maybe you think to yourself, well, how is that practical? How does that touch down on the day-to-day of our lives? And you see, often what happens when we read the Bible, we can read it with a focus on how does this apply to me? You know, you think of the Gospel Coalition, 10 ways this passage applies to you. And it's very natural because if we look at the Bible, the Bible has very real consequences for the way that we live our lives. But when our focus is, how does this apply to me, sometimes that question isn't very helpful. If you think about it this way, if you're in a relationship with a a young woman, as we heard about last week, if you're in a relationship with a young woman, you're going to go on all these dates and you're going to try to get to know the person. That's the purpose. You delight to spend time with one another because you just want to know how she operates. You want to know her fears. You want to know her favorite color. You want to know everything there is to know about this person. The goal is to know them. And as you know them, your admiration and your love for for that individual grows and it increases. You don't go on a coffee date and as you sit there, you listen to the girl talk and you think, okay, what are the 10 applications for my life? How does this apply to me? You see, congregation, knowledge is the goal. To know God. When we know God, our love for him increases. That's what our catechism is showing us. If you want to glorify God, if you want to love him, and you want to adore him and admire him, well, you have to know him. You see, sometimes in our desire to avoid being a Pharisee, we look down on knowledge as something cold and academic and you know, something of, that we've got to be careful of because ultimately it's in our hearts. We place this unnatural division between our head and our hearts. And here the Lord's Day says, quite frankly, you want to glorify God? You know God. Know Him. Knowledge of God leads to praise. And so if we put it negatively... We will not glorify God if we do not rightly know God. And this is what our Lord grieves in Jeremiah 9. That's why we read Jeremiah 9 together. He mourns the fact that his people do not know him. They don't know who he is. It comes back a few times. So in verse 3 of chapter 9, he mentions how they, they plan evil. There's falsehood on their lips. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they do not know me, declares the Lord. And then verse 6, heaping oppression upon oppression and deceit upon deceit, they refuse to know me, declares the Lord. 
And instead of knowing God, instead of boasting in Him, they turned and they, they turned to the currency of the day, military power, wealth, and riches. You see, at the time you had Assyria in the north, they were the great superpower, and then you had Egypt in the south. That was the other great superpower. And Israel was trying to establish themselves in this world, avoiding God, and rather they were using these means. If you read through it, you see how they were trying to use military alliances. They were using cunning to try to live their lives. They were trying to pay certain armies off to buy them time. They understood military power. They understood success. They understood intelligence. They boasted in those things. And God comes to them, he says, as we read in, in verse 23, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and he knows me. That he knows me. Don't glorify these things. That's the currency of the world. That's what the world glories in. Don't glory in that. Glory in the fact that you understand me, that you, that you know me. And if you look at the words, the word understand and know. So understand means to have an intelligent grasp of something. And the word know speaks of almost seeing something. When you see something, you know. You get it. You understand it. And so here, it's not talking about a superficial knowledge of God, but a deep understanding. You know God. You understand Him. And the reason why God's people didn't boast in the Lord, as we saw, is because they didn't know Him. They didn't glory in Him because they didn't know who He was and who He is. They understood other things. They pursued what the world pursues. Money, power, and might. That's what they used to go about their day. That's what they gloried in. That's what gave them delight. But not the Lord. You see, they boasted in what they understood. As a congregation, we should ask ourselves the question, you know, how is it with us? Do we know the Lord? Do we understand who He is? Do we boast in Him? And if not, what do we boast in? Because what we boast in will reveal what we know and understand. You see, what you know will move to admiration. What do you find praiseworthy? What do you find glorious? You see, when we don't know God, he won't, he won't appear to us as glorious and praiseworthy. Because if we don't know God in our hearts, our hearts are not going to be moved to praise Him. So how is it with you? Do you know God? Now how do we get to know God? Well, our God, He reveals Himself and he reveals who he is in what he does. So the catechism says that, it says, first of all, that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. In all your works in which shine forth your attributes. In which shine forth who you are. And actually, Jeremiah, he, he mentions the very same thing. So he says in verse 24, Let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. That phrase, in the earth, shows you it's concrete. It's in real space, in real time. 
God's actions are something that we can see in history. God's actions are something that we can know. You see, if Israel was to reflect on who God is, if they looked at their history, firstly, they could look at creation. And what would shine forth to them? What would pop out at them? Well, God's power, His divinity. They would look at the night sky and they'd be filled with their smallness and they'd realize the greatness of God. We read that in Romans 1 verse 20. Or if they looked back on the history of the Exodus... There they would see the character of God. They would see his steadfast love. They would see his truthfulness to his word. That he was faithful to his promises. They would see his justice against sin. They would see his righteousness. And Jeremiah mentions this very thing. In in Jeremiah 32 verse 30, he looks back and he says, You have shown signs and wonders in the day in the land of Egypt. And to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as at this day. He looks back and he sees who God is. He looks back at the Exodus and he sees the character of God. And Israel could continue. They could think of the wilderness journeys. How they tested God and sinned against God. And what would they see? What would shine forth to them? What would pop out at them? Well, God's long-suffering. His patience. And as they reflected on these things, they would know God. They would understand who He is and their heart would be moved to glory in Him and not boast in the things of the world. They would feel filled with an awe and a wonder at who He is. Their boast would be in God. Now Jeremiah prophesied of a day when God would make a new covenant with His people. Jeremiah 31 it gives this beautiful this beautiful prophecy for the people of Israel where God comes to them and he says, for this is the covenant that I will make with you, with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And then note this, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. You see, God's people didn't know him. And God comes to them and says, well, you know what? There's going to be a time When I'm going to fill my spirit in your heart and you will know me. All of you will know me. You will understand me. And this prophecy is fulfilled in our Savior Jesus Christ. In the new covenant. Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the invisible made visible. He is the unknown made known. If we want to know God, we just need to look at our Savior Jesus Christ. If we want to understand his compassion, on God's compassion, we look at our Savior's compassion through his earthly ministry. If we want to understand God's wisdom, we look at our Savior and how he wisely interacted with the people among, around him. We want to look at his patience, look at how Jesus interacted with the crooked and perverse generation of his time, how patiently he acted with them. If we want to see God's attributes on display, We can look at the cross where we see the justice of God, his severity against sin, and the mercy and the steadfast love of God on full display. See, when we look at Jesus Christ, we know God. We understand him, who he is. We know his mercy. We know his love. And when we know Christ and when we understand him, our hearts will be moved to praise God and to glorify him. 
You see, we won't glory in our investments. We won't glory in our business plans. We're not going to glory in our successes. But our boast will be in the cross of Christ, as Paul says in Galatians 6. We will both in, boast in nothing else except for the cross of our Savior. Where we see the glorious and praiseworthy attributes of God shining forth in the darkness of sin. See, now congregation, if we look into the new week, we see that Bible study starts up. We see catechism starting up for a new year. And maybe some of you have already started your your Bible reading plans. Maybe you're a little bit behind. And as you do these things, as you go to read God's word, pray. Pray this petition. Hallowed be your name. Pray, Pray, God, may we glorify you. Which is saying, God, may we rightly know you. Pray that God would bless you as you study his word by yourself, individually. And pray that God would bless you as you pick up his word with with the, the rest of the community of believers. And as you study it. Pray as you read through the story of redemption that you would see the character of God shine forth to you in all its glory. Pray that you would understand more and more and that you'd be moved to adore your God. You see, congregation, our Lord delights to answer that prayer. You see, when God, when his people boast in him, that is the thing that delights our God. That's what it says in in Jeremiah verse 24. And know that as we read and as we study and as we try to learn about who God is, God does not leave us on our own. Jesus Christ, he didn't leave his disciples on his own, but rather he sent the Spirit who would bring to remembrance everything that they had been taught. And so as you read, Christ's Spirit will dwell in your heart and he will give you understanding that your natural eyes will not have. He'll give you spiritual understanding. He'll open your eyes so that you will see the glory of God on the pages of Scripture, so that you will magnify the Lord. And so we see it's a prayer that we may glorify God. But it's also a prayer that God would cause others to glorify him through our actions. And that brings us to our second point. You see, if God is so glorious and so praiseworthy as we believe him to be, then what that means is we're not going to be content to glorify God on our own while those around us blaspheme his name and and dishonor his name. Rather, we're going to want God's glory to be promoted in the world. That all would bow the knee and praise their Savior. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that our actions may cause others to glorify God. So the Catechism says there, grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, our words, our actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. You see, there's a connection between the, this petition and the third commandment, where the commandment teaches us, the third commandment teaches us that the way we live will either honor God or it will dishonor God. So it will honor God or it will dishonor God. You see, God has put his name on us. Many of us here have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so that means that there's a calling for all of us to live according to his character. Jesus says in his ministry, he says in Matthew 5 verse 14, You are the light of the world. 
And then he continues, he says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And notice how those words match beautifully with the catechism. Where it says, how do we know God? Well, we look at his works in which shine forth his beautiful attributes. And now Jesus says, go live in such a way and work and act so that your actions shine forth the character of God. So that when people see you, they see something of who God is. They come to know him in a way. And having understood him, they, they, it causes them to glorify God in their hearts. But then what we read is, what we find in Jeremiah is that often, even when God has put his name on his people, even when God has given them all these promises, that they live in ways that dishonor him. They live in ways that don't promote his glory, but rather they, it dishonors and blasphemes him. You see that in Jeremiah 9, God was identified with his people. He put his name on them. And they failed to direct their lives in such a way that God's name was promoted and honored. You see that in the words, God comes with a severe judgment. And then right at the end, you have those shocking words where God says in verse 25, The days are coming when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. And it says, Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert who cut the corners of their hair, for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in heart. See, what God is saying there, he's saying, all these nations are circumcised in the flesh only. And so are my people. And you know how shocking that would have been for an Israelite? All of them had been circumcised. And when you were circumcised, it meant that God had put his name on you. It meant that you had the promises of God. And it called you to be set apart. And God says, their circumcision only went skin deep. They were just like the other nations. If not, they were worse than the other nations. They failed to live as his people and promote his glory. And instead, as we look, they heaped oppression upon oppression, deceit upon deceit. They blasphemed the name of God that they stood to represent. You know, there's a, there's a series of podcasts by Nabil Qureshi, who is a, another Muslim convert. And in one of the podcasts, he speaks about his devout Muslim parents. So they immigrated into America. And he tells about what his... So his parents were very devout Muslims. And they were worried about the influence of Western civilization on their kids. And so they told them before they went to school... They say, it doesn't matter how well you do at school. It doesn't matter what you do for work later on. You are a Muslim. And in the Western eyes, you will always be a Muslim. And so be the best Muslim you can be. Because they understood that the reputation of Allah was at stake. The reputation of Islam was at stake. And so that was the expectation they had. Be the best Muslim you could be. See, congregation, the sad thing is that was for a false gospel. And yet here we have the true gospel. And sometimes our expectations are far, far lower for ourselves. Do we say be the best Christians you can be because the glory of God is at stake? Because the world is watching us? 
Or do we say, you know, I know that my children are having wild parties, but, you know, we did the exact same thing when we were younger and we got through it, so, you know, we'll see. They'll come around. Or I know our friend group has a problem with, with drinking, but, you know, we all struggle with sin. And so maybe before you take the log out of my eye, you should, you, before you take the speck out of my eye, you should take the log out of your own eye. Well, does that promote the glory of God? The world is watching us. We are Christians. The glory of God is at stake. What we do either promotes His glory or dishonors and blasphemes His name. And so, brothers and sisters, ask yourself, what is, what is your actions like? If you look at your financial dealings, does it differ to that of the world's? Because people are watching. When people look at the way you run your business or interact with your suppliers... Do they see a reflection of God's character? Do they see his goodness, his truthfulness, his kindness? Or when people see that you work, can they tell that you're Christian? Or do they just see another person who's living for the weekend and who's trying to earn the most amount of money, doing the least amount of work? You see, the glory of God is at stake. What are our expectations for ourselves? Because, brothers and sisters, the world is watching us. And so direct your life, your thoughts, your words, your actions in such a way that God's name is glorified, that you are a cause for the glory of God, or to put it this way, so that you are a billboard for the glory of God. You know, when you drive on a road, you see a billboard, and they're promoting a product. And so how you live is like a billboard. You promote the glory of God or you dishonor it. And so be a billboard for the glory of God for it's his glory that is at stake. And yet congregation, our natural reaction hearing that is to walk out of these doors and to think to ourselves, let's try harder because God's glory is at stake. But rather... Rather, this petition is calling us to say, no, pray that God's name would be hallowed because his glory is at stake. You see, notice this prayer is a call for help. It's a call for help from people who dishonor God. It's a call for help from sinners who struggle to glorify God. You see, it says, grant us first of all that we might rightly know you. And then grant us also that we may direct our whole life. Grant us. Other translations put it, help us. Help us. In this Lord's Day, we acknowledge that things are not the way they ought to be. It's a cry for help from sinners. That God would glorify his name. You see, the Lord's Day is very very real. It recognizes our struggle to glorify God in our lives and to glorify God in the way that we live. And so it's a cry for help. God, please display your glory. Help us as fallen people to shine as lights as we ought because it's your glory that is at stake. Father, hallow your name. And congregation, once again, that is a prayer that our God will answer. You see, that's why we read from Ezekiel 36 because when you read through that, that is God answering this prayer. That is God glorifying his name. That is the promise of the gospel. 
God will cause his name to be hallowed. In Ezekiel 36, God says to his people, note in verse verse 23, he says, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, so blasphemed among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And then he says, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. And then if we continue, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. See, when you pray, hallowed be your name, O Lord, may your name be glorified. This is how God answers. And notice how he uses sinners to accomplish that. He says to his people, I will vindicate my name among the nations through you. When you pray, hallowed be your name, God says, I will use you as a cause so that others would glorify me. And how does he do that? He does it by forgiving us of our sins, sprinkling us with the blood of Jesus Christ for the way that we dishonor God and the way that we blaspheme him by the way that we live. And then he changes our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh, a heart that beats for him. He gives us knowledge, understanding of who he is so that we admire him and our love for him increases. And then he places the spirit, he gives you the spirit, the spirit of Christ so that you might live and shine as lights, so that you might shine his glory forth to others, and that others would see that and bow before God and glorify him. See, God answers this, and he does this for Jesus' sake. He does this to vindicate the holiness of of his name. God will glorify himself. So congregation, do you struggle to glorify God? Is it hard for you to praise him? To adore him for who he is? Do you often sit in your bed at night and pray, Father, I know that you are glorious and I'm sorry for the way that I lived because I dragged your name through the mud. Do you recognize so often how you fail in this way? Well, you see, Christ has a prayer for you. Do you see that you need help? Christ has a prayer for you. It's a prayer for sinners who know that they need help glorifying the God that they love and that they serve. It's a prayer. It's a petition. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Glorify yourself. Help us to glorify you and may we live in such a way that others would glorify your holy name. And God will answer that because God delights to answer that and his glory will shine forth. So congregation, pray, hallowed be your name. Amen. Let's now sing in response hymn four verses one through three.
But let's come before God in prayer. And as we do so, we'll bring before our God the needs of our brother Jack Vendongen, who is going to have a surgery this Friday for his prostate cancer. So let's pray to God. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we pray with your servant Moses, O Lord, show us your glory. May your name be hallowed. Help us to see your greatness, your majesty, your might, your splendor with clarity that we may burst forth with praise and adoration. And Father, we, know we, we need help with this. And you know that we need help with this. Lord, we struggle to glorify you as we ought. We fail to promote your glory often in the way that we live. And instead of glorying in you and boasting in you, so often we, we turn and we glory in what the world boasts in. We boast in other things. But Lord, help us. Help us. Because it is your glory that is at stake. Father, we pray that you would help us to know you rightly. Grant that as we read your word and study your word and teach your word, that our hearts would be set ablaze. That we may see your character in the pages of scripture. Lord, help us to, love, to live for you. Help us to direct our lives so that your name would be honored. May we seek to be the best Christians we can be so that your glory is promoted. And Father, forgive us for the ways that we have dishonored you. Lord, you put the law in our hearts. You've promised that you will change us. You've promised that your spirit will work mightily in our hearts so that your name would be vindicated among the earth, around the earth and so the nations would know you through your people. And so we pray, fulfill that prayer. Grant us that we may be billboards for your glory. Father, we also bring before you the needs of our congregation. We think particularly of our brother Jack Van Dongen who's going in for surgery. Lord, we ask that you would be with him, that you would watch over him. Lord, you know some of the disappointments that this cancer has brought to their family. You know the situation, the, the medical uh, issues that they've, they've had. And now they have another one. But Lord, we thank you that they trust you. We thank you that they've seen your goodness in the way that you work. That they look at how you've led their lives. And that they know that you are God and that you are with them. And so, Father, we pray that you would continue to affirm your love and your nearness to, the, to our brother Jack as he looks ahead to the surgery. Bless the doctors. Grant that it may go well and that it would have the intended result. So, Lord, we lift up our brother before you and we entrust him into your care. Lord, we also take this time to pray for the organization of Fair Haven. We thank you for the blessing that that is. We thank you for an organization whose sole goal is to care for the elderly of our congregations. We thank you for the nurses and the staff who show the love of God to our aging brothers and sisters. We thank you for the community, the fellowship that this gives. And Lord, we pray that you continue to add your blessing to the churches through our elderly members and through this organization. And Father, in the same way, we pray for uh, eucalypt and worthy hands. Lord, we live in a world that continually undermines the value of people who are born with special needs. 
And Lord, we thank you that here in your church, this is something that is celebrated. That you, it's given a place where they're not hidden from view, but rather people see them and they see their joy, they see their happiness. And Father, we thank you for the blessing that that's been to us. You know the challenges of those who experience, uh, who have special needs and also those who care for people with special needs. But Lord, we thank you for the rich blessing that they are. Lord, you encourage us so greatly when we see their childlike trust. You make our hearts happy when we see their love and their joy for life. And Lord, we thank you for showing your strength through weakness. For this is the way of the gospel. And so we ask that we continue to bless eucalypt and worthy hands. Lord, may you help us to be a a community that is devoted to one another. That we would endeavor to use our gifts in a way that benefits each other. And not is used for our own selfish means. Lord, may we be sacrificial in our generosity, quick to meet each other's needs, emotionally, spiritually, and and material needs. Oh Lord, may this congregation here in Southern River be known by their love. And that people seeing that would know that they love you. Father, bless us in the rest of this worship day and hear us. Not because we are worthy of it, because Jesus is worthy. It's in his name that we pray all these things. Amen. You now have an opportunity to give of your thank offerings to God. And as uh, it's mentioned in the liturgy, it's requested for the ministry of mercy for Fair Haven. And as you do so, remember the words of Proverbs 19, verse 16, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his needs. And then afterwards, we will praise God in song and we will adore him with the words of hymn 3, verses 1, 3, and 5.
receive the blessing of the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.